Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. It's now officially August. The sun is high, the heat is growing, and back to school season is just around the corner. Here at the diocese, we're gearing up for the PA March for Life on September 19th and our annual women's conference on October 15th. Growing up, I was what you would traditionally call a tomboy. I wasn't into anything pink or frilly. I never took a dance class and I despised dolls. I ran around in jean shorts cut from my pants that had holes in the knees. I competed in martial arts and I preferred mud to makeup. Anytime someone told me that's just for boys, I'd tell them to hold my juice box and sing anything you can do, I can do better. Femininity was not my strong suit. Let's just say God knew what he was doing when he gave me three sons instead of three daughters. As I grew older, I learned I had a very rigid definition of what it meant to be a woman and eventually came to embrace my femininity, though I would often find myself wrestling with it. While I'm fiercely passionate about women's equality, I'm also fiercely pro-life. While I'm fiercely passionate about equality and education, I'm also a firm believer in the Catholic faith. I found myself resonating with a lot of the points of the feminist movement, but not all of them. And for a long time, I felt like I had to choose which box I fell into. But couldn't I be both a Catholic and a feminist? A lot of people on both sides will tell you no. What I've learned as I've aged is that there's no right way to be a woman. Women are multifaceted. In fact, if you compare any two female saints, you'll see that for many, the only commonalities they shared was their gender and their love for God. As Catholic author Claire Swinarski puts it, feminism doesn't have to mean Butler, Sanger, or de Beauvoir. It can mean the Teresas of Avila, Lisieux, Calcutta, and the Cross. It can mean Gianna and Gemma and Joan. It can mean the teachings of the church and John Paul II, which have proclaimed again and again the inherent dignity of women, the right of women to pursue their callings, and the end of violence against women. It can mean one sex is not better than the other, nor are they the same. And it turns out, I'm not alone in my feelings of restlessness. There's an entire community, I'd even venture to say generation of women, who believe in valuing the dignity of human life, valuing the dignity of women, and embracing John Paul II's teachings of the feminine genius. Today, 
I'm excited to introduce to you one such woman, Samantha Pavlock, a wife, mother, CEO, and the editor-in-chief of Fem Catholic, to help me unravel and embrace this new integrated version of being a woman. So Samantha, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on this program. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do almost since I started here about a year ago. So thank you so much for joining us today. Would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I was raised Catholic in Indiana, a uh, big Catholic family. Both my parents are one of nine. So they, they met at a restaurant and nine months later were engaged. So I grew up Catholic there. I went to Notre Dame and majored in theology and business. And then I moved to Chicago and was working in consulting, accounting, uh, and at a bank, actually. And then during that time, my husband and I got married, had a couple kids, started this platform called Femme Catholic. And now I'm out in the Pennsylvania suburbs running Femme Catholic and chasing kids. That's awesome. That sounds like, sounds a lot like what I do, <laughs> just chasing <laughs> kids. And where did the idea from Femme Catholic come from? You mentioned that you're, you're is in banking and in other types of things. Why did you decide to create this type of space for Catholic women? And, and what's the mission? Sure. So the mission um, is really to educate women in the truth of our faith. Uh, and ask hard questions about the realities of their lives, but also look at what the church actually teaches. Uh, because in college, I, I majored in business, but I also got a theology degree, and I was reading all these different things by Pope John Paul II, by even you know other popes, Pope Paul VI, uh, St. Edith Stein, who was a feminist philosopher saint back in the 1920s. And, and I, I felt like I hadn't been taught a lot of what was written in our faith. And, it, you know, it really wasn't um, that different, but just some of the language and some of the issues they were talking about was so important to me and interesting. Because uh, I had always kind of considered myself somebody really passionate about women's issues. I think because I, growing up, I was pretty feisty. Uh, I didn't always fit the sort of docile female box. Um, I was definitely bold and I, I was kind of drawn to feminism, secular feminism, but I knew obviously that a lot of the positions they took didn't mesh with the Catholic faith. And so I, I found myself wrestling with that. And then I think discovering Pope John Paul II, Edith Stein, it really felt like this answer to these questions I had had of how I could make sense of women's, uh, women's issues, women's equality, women's voices and what mattered, but in the context of our faith. And so the way that Femme Catholic started was I actually saw a Facebook ad for a conference put on by a group of nuns. So back in 2016, the Council of Major Women Superior Religious, uh, which is like a, a bunch of nuns, <laughs> um, put on a conference for lay Catholic women leaders. And it was all expenses paid, but you had to apply and go through this whole application process discerning the gifts that you had been given uniquely to offer the church and the world. And so through this application process, I had done a lot of pro-life work in my younger years, but through this application process, I realized that I needed to start something talking about women sort of at large and GP2 and Edith Stein and, the, and these threads of truth that I had found 
and I was kind of the person in my friend groups telling all my friends about these things. And I, you know, I felt really called to do that on a bigger scale. So I submitted this action plan and was accepted to the Given Forum, uh, which is still going on. People can find that online, the Given Forum for Catholic Women Leaders. And so through that process, I actually was pregnant with my first and almost didn't, never launched Femme Catholic at all. Um, but when you promise nuns something, they're pretty good at following up with you. <laughs> um, and so they followed up and said, you know, you have to do your action plan. We want you to do this. And so I did launch the blog while I was on maternity leave with my first uh, kid. And it started out as a, a blog I was writing for. And then God made it very clear that it was meant to be sort of a collaborative thing. And so I took on contributing writers and then a couple years later, what my actual action plan had been was a blog and then to have an annual conference inspired by something that was at Notre Dame called the Edith Stein conference that's put on every year. And so I thought, you know, I have kids now, I can't do this conference. And a couple years into doing the blog, all the pieces just lined up. I mean, Holy Spirit was absolutely behind this. My husband was getting a nighttime MBA. So in the evenings he was gone and I was home and I reconnected with some other women that I had met at the given forum at one of whom had an event planning background, one of whom had planned a conference in college, one who was a graphic designer. And in less than a year, we sold out a conference in Chicago uh, for 400 people from across the country and Canada. Some people flew down from Canada and then the pandemic hit. So we have not, we're in the, in the, process of planning our second conference right now, actually, but it's just sort of grown from there. And so we're continuing to write and put out um, important stories about women's issues and, and gather women together and just help women navigate that tension between their real life and their faith. I love that. And yes, I feel like that's, there was obviously a gap that needed to be filled. Cause like you were saying, like you might as well have just taken a page out of my diary. Like I was that feisty kid growing up. Like I never wanted to do you know, like super girly things, but like, I always think of that song, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. Like that's, <laughs> that was my attitude growing up, but there was, I felt like there wasn't much of a place for me. And then stumbling upon a lot of the same things that you did, I was like, Oh, you know, the church really does value women. It's not how it's perceived by people yeah. who are not in the thick of the faith, you know, of like, oh, they don't, it's not about women. It's all about men. It's no, women are actually pretty boss when it comes to yeah. being you in the church. The history of Catholic women saints, for example, or even Catholic, you know, women in the Bible, they are not all one size fits all, you know, they're not all, um, there are women who have a bunch of kids. There's women who don't, there's women who are married. There's women who are not, there's women who like Therese of Lisieux were cloistered and, you know, doing their thing kind of in private. And then you have women like Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, Catherine Drexel, you know, founding all these different orders across the world, really. Mother Teresa has been recognized as one of the most you know, incredible business people just to run an organization with the, the size that she did and the budget that she did. And it was all inspired by God, you know? So I think that's where, if you have this kind of reduced vision of women that we, I don't know where we get that from, but I have the same sense that like, oh, I have to just be quiet. And, and I think that really is the devil 
trying to convince you that, like, what if, you know, what if Joan of Arc had thought she had to be St. Therese? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's not what God was calling her to. God was calling her to be Joan of Arc. Or Catherine of Siena, she thought, you know, well, I'm not supposed to say anything. No, God wanted her to, to talk to the Pope. And, you know, she did so in a very virtuous way. The way she went about that work was very holy, but God calls women to a lot of different things. And and that's what I just felt like needed to be highlighted more of. Yes. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to listen and receive, you know, the support that you needed to get this off the ground. Because I feel like, you know, if, if you and I relate to it, then there's probably a lot of other women who relate to it as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so... Let's address the elephant in the room, because I know that there is a big misunderstanding regarding the definition of feminism. So just doing a quick internet search, it's defined as the advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of political, social, and economic equality to men. And a deeper search shows that the original feminist movement began in waves, you know, starting with women's suffrage and the right to own property and evolving to address concerns like education and workplace equality and sexuality. But I think a lot of that gets lost because the actual definition leaves a lot of room for interpretation. There are a lot of feminists who identify as pro-life, while others argue you can't be a feminist if you're against abortion or LGBTQ rights or even mentioning men's rights and how advocating for women can actually benefit men. So in your opinion, how do you define feminism and why isn't it more a, a more blanketed term like egalitarianism or humanism? It's a great question. Um, it's interesting to see even, you know, so I started Femme Catholic back in 2016 and in the past five, six, seven years, how much has changed. To me, the word feminism is important because it identifies the fact that women have particular needs that that are different than sort of all humans. Um, it's the same reason we talk about, you know, even pro-life issues. We're talking about a particular group of people who need support in a particular way or need, you know, to, to be defended. Identifying that group of people is important so that we can talk about the things that matter to them. And part of the reason I, you know, and I didn't call the, the blog like feminist Catholics I, I wanted to just use that femme Catholic because um, it also is a nod to the word female. And I think that has become, you know, and I never expected that to so quickly become the issue that it is today. But I really think it's important to call out the fact that female human beings have a particular experience of life. They have, you know, God created us male and female that reveals something. Talking about women as women is important. And I also find it really interesting that Pope John Paul II used the word and actually called for what he called a new feminism. So in um, he wrote a bunch of documents about women that are wonderful. I, I really highly recommend uh, you can Google Letter to Women by Pope John Paul II. It's not very long. It's online. He wrote that in 1995, and he talked about the need for Catholics to you know, fight for women's rights and women's equality and, and the oppression that women have faced around the world, uh, in different parts of the world, especially more than others, that that's just a Catholic human dignity, you know, effort to do. But the other document he wrote that 
maybe more people are familiar with is Evangelium Vitae, which was sort of the pro-life encyclical. Um, it was all about, um, it's called On the Dignity of Life, Evangelium Vitae. And it's actually in that document, I think is really interesting, where he calls for a new feminism. He says, women need to rise up in a quote, new feminism. And so he uses that word. And I think he was such an intentional man that that's not a coincidence that he chose to use that word. And so that's sort of where we are grounding our work is, is campaigning for a new feminism in uh, the spirit of his teachings in the Catholic church. But yeah, I think it's really important to identify the group of people who need help so that you can address the problem and, and address the issue from there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, to really drill down into it if you don't really know where you're drilling. So I think that, that yeah. I agree. I think that's really super important. Well, and like you said, the history is really important too, because if you look at feminism in the early 1900s, there were feminists who were pro-life. They were very pro-family. You know, the same women who were fighting for prohibition were women that were fighting for women's rights and, and what's good for family and children. And then in the 60s and 70s, it really did get sort of caught up in the sexual revolution and feminism and the sexual revolution became very intertwined as a political movement. And you still see that today where, you know, abortion is key to women's equality. Okay. I don't agree with that. Obviously that's very problematic. I shouldn't have to, you know, kill my children to be equal. And the Catholic church thinks the same thing that you sh that's not what women's equality is grounded in. Um, and I think the world really needs that message as a pro woman message today to, to untangle feminism and gender equality from women's rights uh, or from abortion and from some the sexual revolution. Yes, I 100% agree that it's it's gotten to one and the same and it's it's very much a separate issue. Yeah, there's a great book by a uh, Catholic investigative journalist. She used to work for Cosmopolitan magazine like back in the day um and she the book is called Subverted and she talks all about her experience working for Cosmo and how she kind of lived through those movements becoming intertwined and, and watching that happen. It's really interesting. So that's a great book. Yes, I have. It's on my list to read. I haven't read it yet, but I did watch an interview with her and she is just enthralling and I can't wait to get my hands on this book. You mentioned in one of your articles that being a feminist actually brought you closer to God. Can you expand on that a little bit for me? Sure. So like I said, growing up, I was feisty, uh, to put it lightly. I think I kind of had what people might call a feminist bone in my body. Um, I wrote my college entrance essay on this moment where I was at a big family barbecue. A bunch of boys are playing baseball in the backyard, and you know all the girls are sitting on the sidelines, and I wanted to play. I was like, let's go, you know, let's go play, and. Um, the other girls weren't sure, you know, so I just kind of walked out there and said, I can play it. Like I loved baseball. Um, and it's intimidating, but I also think, you know, that's, that's a charism I, I have been given. And, and I wasn't sure where that fit in the church for a while to lead in that way. And so I wasn't sure what to make of myself as a woman 
you know, this, it was before kind of all of the questions around trans identities. Or, and I don't know that I would have considered myself a man, but I knew that I wasn't sort of a good woman if, if the good woman meant being kind of quiet and docile um, and domestic and, um, and those things just didn't come naturally to me. And so that's how I was sort of identifying myself. Um, and then I think in, like I said, in college, discovering what the church has actually written about what it means to be woman, um, what it actually means to have the, you know, a maternal heart is not just being that you are great with children, um, but a maternal heart being this care for the person and, and caring for other people and what's good for people, whether that's in the workplace or, you know, in your community, in your parish, in your family, uh, women have this real charism for people and, and to receive other people. And just these different messages about what it actually meant to be a woman, I realized were so empowering. And I don't think I would have gone looking for those answers and actually found my faith in the same way if I hadn't been sort of looking for that Catholic feminism and that that truth about who I was. So I think in that way, you know, being who God created me to be and finding my place in the church, I think is a very sort of feminist endeavor. Um, and that, that definitely brought me closer to God. Yeah, I feel like I can relate to that so much because it's a lot of, you know, you feel like you're almost like you're fighting against the grain. And then when you find that spot that God has carved out for you, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, this is where I belong. I don't have to fight him on it anymore. You know what I mean? Almost feels like home for lack of yeah. a better term. Yeah. It's like, a, I know it's like a vocation. And I think that's when you even look at the history. I'm so interested in the history of the feminist movement. You have people like um, Betty Friedan was a feminist in the sixties who wrote about how, you know, not all women want to be housewives or want to be you know, stay at home moms. And what I see in her is really this cry for, like a, she wasn't in her vocation totally. You know, she had, yes, she was maybe was called to be a mom, but she was called to use these multitudes of gifts and she felt like that wasn't being seen or understood. And that's where I think when people go looking for that fulfillment in the world, they get very stuck sometimes and segmented. And whereas in, in Catholicism, what I've actually found in the history of the saints is like God dreams so much bigger than we do. Uh, the multifaceted, like God doesn't put these limits on women of like, oh, if you have kids, you can't have a career or you can't, you know, if you have a career, you can't be a good mom or you can't like, God has this sort of not magical. It's like the Holy Spirit just works things out. Um, and that's what I've seen in my own life. I know you were talking about, you have kids, I have kids. And we have these other charisms that we're called to use. And I just have found that there is this particular way, this fluidity to it when you follow the Holy Spirit that just isn't available to women in these secular spaces where everything has to be sort of perfectly planned and controlled and mapped out and there's no support. Right. It's like in the Catholic Church, it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. And mm -hmm. God has a plan for that. You just have to like let go of control a little bit and yeah. listen 
and trust that your gifts do have a purpose. Cause I think, you know, for a while I, I thought, well, even when, you know, again, I almost didn't launch Femme Catholic at all because I thought, oh, I'm a mom now. This mm-hmm. is obviously my you know most important part of my life. I, this is all I should be doing. And it's, it's funny to me that God really worked through those nuns to, to call me out and say, no, this is a gift you've been given. This is something you need to do. And it really has been so fruitful for me and like for my family. That's the thing that when you follow the Holy Spirit, it really is the overflowing gifts, gifts overflowing versus I think when I try to map it out or control it on my own, it just doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't work. Right, right. I have the same problem. (laughs) Femme Catholic is proof that there is a middle ground between feminism and Catholicism. But like we were saying, many people believe you're either one or the other. You can't be both based on that murky understanding of the definition of feminism that we talked about earlier. Why do you think that is? And how are you and Femme Catholic working to reframe that narrative? So I think that it's very human for people to want to group things together, you know, to say, oh, you're this political party or you are even, you know, you're from <laughs> Texas, so you're this kind of person or you're from California, so that you're this kind of person, you know, uh, you're from Indiana. So I think it's normal for us to kind of have a tendency to do that. And it, it may, I understand why people, like the word feminism has been associated with some very harmful things. So I don't think everyone should go around saying, I'm a feminist, I'm a feminist, especially if you don't resonate with that word. But I think the word communicates something really powerful, again, about fighting for women's rights. And I think that I've actually talked to a lot of converts who were thinking about converting to Catholicism, but were not sure about Catholicism's views of women. (laughs) And so finding Femme Catholic, they've actually told me, like helped them convert because they were able to answer those questions and realize that the church is very empowering to women. So I think that's what that word feminism, you know, when people are typing into Google, these topics they're searching for, it helps them find us and it helps, it helps them find these types of things. And again, looking at the writings of Pope John Paul II, there's a real need for addressing um, the ways in which women have been forgotten in the world and, and in the church, because the church is not immune from the sins of the world. Uh, you know, we're made up of fallen people <laughs> have been from the, t- the very beginning, starting out with Peter uh, and the apostles, you know, and the church is just not immune from the sins of the world. And we are still working out how to include women all the time. We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. 
Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.